the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When I joined the Republican Party for, it was not and is not today. There wasn't a matter of the issues so much that it was that there are people out there willing to fight for it. In a culture as politically polarized and aggressively tribalized as ours, how do people change their minds? I'm Georgie Borman, a mother, author, and cultural commentator born and raised on the West Coast. I want to know what we can learn from people who've been on both sides of contentious issues, whether they end up on the right or the left. That's what this podcast is about. Welcome to the 180Cast. Americans are relatively libertarian. They want other people to have the freedom to choose the best path for their own life. Hello, welcome back to the 180 cast. I'm your host, Georgie Borman. Politics these days are as nasty as ever. If you uh, ever glance at Twitter, which I recommend that you don't. And party politics, of course, are as tribal as ever. Maybe that's why the largest share of the electorate don't belong to either the GOP or the Democrat Party, but they call themselves independents. But when voters are disenchanted with the Democrat Party or the Republican Party or the two-party system in general, and they're not going independent, where do they go? What about what about the rest of them? Well, the third largest party in the U.S., arguably the third largest party, has about half a million registered voters as of 2016, which is up from 325,000 in 2012, which is quite a bit of gross growth. It is the fastest growing political party up 92% in the past 10 years. Despite, despite, this is what's interesting, despite the fact that it seems to be the most ideologically cohesive and consistent platform out of all of them, and usually when you think that things are um, that consistent and pure, a lot of people would say that that is ex- exclusionary, but... I am interested in finding out why people are joining this party. My guest today is the former vice chairman of the city of Canandaigua Republican Party. He is here to explain why he decided to leave the GOP and become a libertarian. Eric Cooper, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. It's nice that it's actually a big issue that people are caring about. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, before we get started, note to the listener, don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast to stay updated. We release episodes every single Friday. Bi-weekly, we break down the news and talk about some other big issues of the day and the ideas that drive them. And that's always a good time. If you have a friend or two who would find this particular episode of interest, 
they're interested in libertarian politics or they're disenfranchised with the two-party system, etc., go ahead and hit pause and share it with them. With that, let's go ahead and get into it. Okay, so Eric, you left the GOP. Why were you why were you a member of the GOP in the first place? What was your thought process there? Um so I guess it would go back to about 2007. I was a freshman in college and the financial crisis was just kind of starting to hit. Um, and before that, I really wasn't interested in politics. But it was also the same time that Ron Paul was running. And uh, he really spoke to me. Uh, whatever whatever he was saying, I, I really understood the message. I got it. And I, I really, uh, at that point, I got more involved in, in politics and policy in general. Um, at the time I, I registered Republican, um, I felt like it best represented me at the time. Uh, did you I grow up in a Republican household? I did. Yeah. Um, my dad is relatively apolitical, but my mom was a member of the Republican party, not a terribly active one, but, um, certainly a more conservative household. Um, so I've always been a little bit libertarian. I, I shouldn't. You know, when I when I am a Republican or when I was a Republican, I was definitely more on the libertarian wing of the Republican Party. I've always felt like gay marriage uh, should be legal and weed should be legal. You know, in New York State, gay marriage wasn't legalized until 2011 or 2010, something like that. Um, and we still don't have legal weed. Um, so I've always been a little bit more libertarian, but I chose to join the Republican Party at that time um, because of fiscal concerns mostly. Um, I am a big believer in free markets and, and the Republican Party was also at the same time going through like the Tea Party movement. So there's a lot of talk about uh, reducing deficits, about making the economy more strong through a little bit less regulation. Um, it seemed like I, I fit better into that party when I was thinking more along the lines of only two parties. I never really considered joining the Democrat party at the time uh, because I felt like they were worse economically speaking and, and for the freedom of the people. Um, mm -hmm. So even though most of my friends are Democrat, especially most of my friends from college, um, and I never really felt the connection with the Democratic party. So you ended up being vice chairman of the Republican party in your city how did you end up right. in that position? Because you obviously felt strongly enough to be active in party politics. Yeah. Um, so I actually, I moved around a little bit and I was not involved in politics for a while after college. Um, and really it was the election or during the process of electing Donald Trump that I, I got more interested in getting back involved. Reason being, I, I was not a supporter of him and I was kind of abhorred about um, what was going on. So I got involved with the hopes of potentially changing the party or pulling it back into sanity or, you know, more into like a freer market side. Mm -hmm. um, and essentially, uh, I guess it was just uh, over a long enough timeline of seeing no change, it, it felt necessary for me to leave. Okay, so how did that change come about? What do you think back on any particular 
moment or thing that happened or conversation where it really got you thinking, gosh, maybe I don't belong here anymore. Maybe I'm a better fit for the libertarians. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with a woman who is now the Ontario County Libertarian Party chair. Uh, her name is Carrie Bittner, and she has really been driving the whole enrollment push in New York State. Uh, she worked with Larry Sharp on his campaign. And I guess the big thing was I was having a conversation with her and, you know, it was sort of like, well, I, I'm a member of the Republican Party, but I don't really want to change because, um, you know, I feel like maybe I can still get good things done here. And it, I guess it really just occurred to me about, you know, how much she was putting into the fight for libertarian ideas and principles that made me believe that it was necessary to fight for that as well, you know, as opposed to just trying to make some change, but not really openly standing up for, for what it was that I was really believing in. Um, so what, so was, it seeing other people in what was it specifically about what she said that really captured your attention aside from the general enthusiasm? Were there particular positions that she was really uh, passionate about that you also connected with? I'm not sure it was the position so much because like I said, I've, I guess part of my change was also the world changing around me and a realization of that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what, what I joined the Republican party for, it was not, and is not today. And even though I, I held on to the belief for a while that maybe it would come back around or maybe it was still worthwhile to be a member of the party. Uh, eventually I realized that, or I felt that that wasn't the case and, and had to leave. Um, so part of what Carrie was saying that uh, struck me more than anything was really the passion that she had for it. It wasn't a matter of the issues so much that it was that there are people out there willing to fight for it. And that, that really resonated with me. And it, I suppose my, I've gotten a bit more uh, strong in my positions, I guess, to where part of the reason I got to where I am in the Republican Party was because I, I wanted to be more involved. And it was sort of just uh, constantly getting more involved and taking sort of stronger positions as opposed to letting other people guide guide a political path. Right. So you feel that as a libertarian and the libertarian party can, as a party, make more of a difference than if you were in the GOP? Yes. Um, and I guess that was another element of, of what it was that changed in my mind. So, you know, obviously I mentioned that I, I wanted to be able to do good. And early on, I, I was worried that or I, I joined the Republican Party partly because of the ability to win, I suppose, or that uh, the candidates might be willing to win and I could influence uh, who could potentially win in the Republican Party. Um, my change, I guess, was a bit more of a result of believing that libertarians can win. So, so what changed your be, mind on that? What made you th what made you really think, oh my gosh, we can really the, the gold team can can really win? I guess maybe growing a little bit into the area where I live, um, making a lot of connections here and noticing that some 
more libertarian tendencies and people that you know maybe maybe you're libertarian but they don't know it or realize it um also just uh i was doing some campaigning for the republican party a few years back and i got a lot of comments from people who this was just after 2016 people were saying you know i don't want anything to do with the party um so i knew that the republican party was has alienated a number of people i'm sure the democratic party has as well so you saw an opportunity um, there sure yeah um and then also uh as you mentioned in your introduction that the libertarian party has been growing a ton people are realizing that you know it's sort of carried this stigma of sort of anarchists which i find sort of odd um uh weirdo anarchists but you know, it's really not the case. I met a number of people in like Monroe County, which is a neighboring county, uh, very well-spoken people that could could articulate the positions of the party better than anybody knew the history better than anybody else. Um, it seemed to me like it was reaching a tipping point, I suppose, um, or at least you know, getting closer to it. And then you had Larry Sharp in New York who ran for governor and mm -hmm ran an excellent campaign, put everything into it um, to where he really grew this base. And, you know, now there's, there's a lot going for the Libertarian Party in New York State now. Would you yeah. have, would you have been convinced to step down and join the Libertarian Party if it weren't for the, for those conversations that you had with, what was her name? Vitter? Carrie. Carrie Vitter? Yeah. Do you think that um, you would have gotten there eventually or what? Yes, pro probably, I guess I would say. Um, it was certainly great having her push me along, mm -hmm. you know, I putting me into an sort of an uncomfortable position. But, you know, they say that life lives on the edge of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. um, so I probably would have at some point, I would think. Um, but she definitely sped up the process a little bit. What do you think are the biggest things that are holding people back from joining the Libertarian Party? You've mentioned a lot of enthusiasm. There's a lot of growth and that you think that maybe you've reached a, a tipping point. What's holding people back right now? Because weirdly, it does seem that the Libertarian pos position of don't be in other people's business, like mind your own beeswax, is very like it's very strict it's very um pure and people usually don't think like that so what is going to bring people into that is that just a matter of having conversations or what what what's holding people back from becoming libertarians i think part of it is a matter of stigma so like i mentioned people have this idea that the libertarian party is a bunch of radicals that want to like abolish the federal government or something like that. Um, and you know, there very well might be some people registered libertarian <laughs> that feel that way. Um, but I don't think that that's a, a good representation of the party itself. Um, you know, I, I believe that there should be probably dramatic changes in the way that we govern, what we fund, stuff like that. But I think it would be mostly idiotic for um, say the government to just drop $500 million of funding from a particular area in one year, that'd be pretty uh, impactful. You know, you have to kind of transition through these things. 
So there are reasonable people in the Libertarian Party, I believe, people that actually you know, care about other human beings, that care about individuals. It's one of the things that I, people try to say to me is that, you know, Libertarians don't care about the welfare of other people. And I think that that's, you know, completely wrong. It also really tries to silence what your opinion is. It doesn't really look at um, the reason or the reasoning and logic behind the Libertarian Party. I think a lot of that comes back to history and, and not really a good understanding of uh, the history of our country. You know, we there's a lot of people, so I, I do um, like urban planning. Um, a lot of people talk about redlining as this, um, this terrible instance in American history where we essentially stopped investment from flowing into, into poor minority neighborhoods. And that's entirely true. But that policy was instituted by the Federal Housing Administration. And then you look at urban renewal, which again was done by the federal government and state governments that tore down poor neighborhoods essentially to build highways through them. Um, a lot of the issues that we're dealing with today are the result of poor policy over any number of years. And most of the time, it's not that some greedy corporation was the um, was the actor that caused it all. It was usually just a well-intended government official that could not possibly foresee the outcome of or the complete outcome of its actions. Um, and I think that's really important to recognize, but something about the way that we discuss politics today really doesn't allow any sort of in-depth conversation. Right. It's all about is, the soundbite. So you right, see, or, so you see this more as educating people versus trying to convince them like on a philosophical level. Um, yeah, probably. I think that, that it I makes the case are, for itself. Yeah, I mean, I think people are, I think people are hard, especially Americans, are relatively libertarian. Uh, I think people want, they want other people to have the freedom to choose the best path for their own life. You know, I mean, if you listen to like some democratic socialists, they'll say that you can't have freedom without the ability to, to purchase housing or healthcare, whatever the case is. You know, if you could somehow convince them that you can do that through free markets, which I certainly believe you can, um, that maybe they would be willing to change their position. Now, actually having that conversation is always a difficult thing. And, and as your podcast kind of goes to a test, right, getting people to open their mind to other opinions can be difficult. And really taking that change, which in many instances is really a leap of faith, um, can be difficult. So what would it take in terms of libertarian party organization or messaging to put libertarians to make a bigger to make a bigger uh, splash on the map so to speak like putting more libertarians in in the state senate or sending libertarians to the US Congress what what does it take there is it possible to have those deep conversations that you're talking about to have those educational conversations about history like where do you go from here is there a is there a point where you, you sort of run up against a wall uh i think at its core because we're talking about really changing some deep-seated mindsets on the minds of 
I guess any number of, of varied people and positions, right? So it's a very, it's a, it's a difficult issue to conquer, to change the minds of millions of people. I think it has to start at the local level. It has to start with individuals. I mean, the Libertarian Party is a party of individuals where the individual is supreme, whether you're black, white, gay, or straight, whatever you want to do with your body, right? The individual is important. And I think that, you know, you have to go door to door and speak to people like that. Or um, when it comes to getting to Congress or the Senate, I think you have to start even lower than that. I think you have to start at your town board or your school board um, and just knock on doors and, and try to show people that, yes, I'm a libertarian. I'm a reasonable person. and I care about you as my neighbor. Um over a long enough timeline of that. And if we can get enough people throughout the country and New York state, you know, to do that, I think then you'll start to see this movement really take off. But right now, of course, it's in its very early stages. Um, you know, we're really just laying the groundwork right now and hopefully in the near future, we'll get to that where we'll have candidates for major positions like the Senate. Do you think that people will be attracted to vote for libertarians on on certain issues like single issue voters? You mentioned marijuana, for example. Is that something that you are counting on to attract people to vote libertarian or is it more just the personal connections that you mentioned before? I would venture that there are some issues that might draw in single issue voters thinking of specifically gun rights. Hmm. Uh, I think that the Republican party has somewhat weakened its stance recently taken from the direction of Donald Trump. Uh, I don't think he's that strong. And I wonder if people are sort of leaving that or no longer under the impression that the Republican party is a, a staunch defender of that in New York state. I think that, People realized that a little while ago with the passage of the New York Safe Act that required the Republican-led Senate to bring it to the Senate floor. Um, so I think in New York State, Second Amendment rights are huge for the Libertarian Party. And I think probably all across the country they are. Beyond that, though, I'm not sure that there's a single issue that would drive people to the Libertarian Party. You know, because we exist right now sort of in the middle position wise of the two larger parties the democrat and republican party so if you ask somebody about uh, legal legalizing marijuana you know the democratic party has that covered and they have a, a greater chance of winning i guess same with certain issues on the republican side so uh, i'm not so sure that it will be a single issue that wins people over to the libertarian party and honestly that's fine because if we have to convince people that every one of our positions is right I think we can do it. I think we have the best positions all around. Mm, that sounds like a lot of work versus just, <laughs> you know, smearing your opponents or something. Jeez, you really, really going the yeah. extra mile here. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like libertarians always have that the uh, complex of carrying the world on their shoulders a little bit. Like they're they're the ones that are <laughs> super aggressive on message boards or whatever. You know, like they gotta fight every bad idea coming out. Um, so. We're not afraid of a of a fight. Relentless. 
Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what would you say to the people who see the Libertarian Party's utility more in the sense of pressing the GOP further in the free market individual liberty direction versus actually putting up their own candidates and actually being involved in government. Because I've heard that a lot. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I really respect the libertarian position. I think it's really beautiful philosophically. I would love more free markets. I would love more individual liberty to do what I want with my own body. But really, they're just there to kind of put the thumb in the you know, put the thumb on the neck of yeah, GOP right. uh, party organizers to, to to push further in that direction. Yeah. Um, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I, I and I, I wonder how other libertarians feel about this, but I, I'm less concerned about, or how should I say this? I want to see libertarian policies enacted because I believe that they're right and because I believe that they will lead to the greatest amount of happiness for the people of this country. Um, whether it's a Republican that sponsors it and signs it, I don't really care in that regard. Um, however, I don't trust the Republican party or the democratic party to actually, um, keep their word on any of these issues. I think it's been shown any number of times before that, you know, well, we're going to cut deficits down to zero or whatever. And now they're, they're higher than ever. Um, you know, I, I just would not trust their word. So in the sense that it might harm a future strong third party, them sort of co-opting libertarian views, which I think it would be accurate to say that it would harm the Libertarian Party. Um, you know, I, I would be a bit upset about that if people actually took their their word as a bond. So there's a gap in a gap in trust there where you feel like the Libertarian Party can come in in running their own candidates and being involved in government and keeping promises, but in general it's about the policy first. Yeah, that's it. I mean the the reason we get involved in this is because we want to see the world be a better place really or ideally uh that's why i'm here and so again if it if the democrats are able to pass legalized marijuana in new york state without all the silly rules that they're proposing um that's great i'm i'm more than happy to see it what do you think are the most challenging issues to get people on board with libertarian policies, because most libertarians, as I understand it, are pretty open borders. And given what's happened, what's happening on the border and the, the chaos there, do you feel like that is something that's pretty hard to get people on board with that idea or what other things do you see as the most tricky to bring people on board? Um, open borders is definitely a difficult one. However, I wonder if it makes it's made easier depending on, you know, how you view the problem and the solution. Um, 
I think that there is a libertarian solution to open borders that doesn't doesn't sort of open the floodgates for everybody to to run into the country and and destroy the economy or, or take jobs, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I think that a lot of our foreign policy in, in South America and across the world has really impacted the amount of people who want to come here. I think that when we support dictators abroad, we're probably more likely to see them here when we have a drug war that promotes um, the cartels. You know, you're going to see instability that leads to people wanting to find a better life here. Um, you know, our foreign policy leads to a lot of this stuff to where if we could change that, and in my opinion, change it into a more libertarian direction, we probably see a lot less um, immigration and illegal immigration. Um, now, whether that's a convincing argument, I'll leave that up to everybody else. But I do believe that people, generally speaking, when I say that to them, they agree with it. You know, I, I don't think that they want America involved to the degree that we are abroad. I think they're more than happy with us to have good diplomatic relations, but not necessarily control the elections of, of other nations. Um, so I don't know if you've been um, keeping up on the news over the past couple days, but what do you think about what's going on in northern Syria? Is that a situation where Trump was right to to pull out? Because that would be what a libertarian president would do, right? What do you What do you think? I'll be perfectly honest with you. I, I have not really paid attention to it. I, I've no worries. Only seen sort of the the tagline for it, but I haven't really paid attention to it. Okay. Well, foreign policy is less my wheelhouse. Right. Yeah. It seems like it. I mean, it seems like that is the most. Um, that is the most philosophically driven aspect of libertarians is let's just mind our own business at home. And it's, it's very much driven by that versus individual situations in this or that country. I think that's definitely the easiest one to pick up. Um, You know, because it, it really ends right there. You know, it's like, let's not get entangled in, in foreign wars or whatnot. It's okay. Yeah. You know, that's pretty straightforward. Um, but when it comes to like the role that free markets might have in an economy as far as you know, how it might build the middle class or, or reduce the cost of college, it's sort of a five step process, you know, of starts here and excuse me, starts on one side. And after a few 10 years, you know, then maybe they'll really have come down. You know, it's it's sort of believing in. Uh, I mean, economics to a certain degree uh, and human nature. Interesting, because it seems like the economics internationally are impacted a lot by foreign policy positions. For instance, Trump sees China as an adversary, not just economically, but just on the global stage, like hegemonically in terms of them pushing yeah. for more more power uh, just across the board. So, but do you see that as sort of like it getting kind of sticky in the same way you mentioned those other economic issues at home where it might take phases to to bring down American involvement abroad? So like saying, 
China has increased its power, and, and one of the ways to check that is through tariffs, but it might take stages to get there. Is that sort of the question? Like, do yeah, I? Yeah, or just where we have that- we have troops stationed all over the world, um, and people are making oh. the argument that we need them there for stability purposes, right? I mean, that was the reason we were in Iraq for so long. Yeah. Um, I do believe it's important to try to create some sort of expectation that's a bit more predictable. So when it comes to like stepping down our involvement overseas, I I do think it's important to at least be clear with our allies anyways maybe a change is coming as opposed to just a dramatic shift in events that opens the door for chaos. Um, You don't want to create a vacuum of any sort, I guess, Um, or you want to try to avoid it. Um, Right. Do you think as far as, yep. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I already lost my thought. <laughs> do you think? Uh, do you think Rand Paul is kind of on the the right track with his stances on foreign policy? Where it seems like he's more like of the wind down sort of position versus. Oh my gosh! Just take them all home. Bring them. Bring everybody home today. Yeah, I I don't know about Rand Paul to be perfectly honest. For a number of years ago. I was a, a big supporter of Rand. I felt like he was more, I guess, on, on the side of the Republican Party that I, I felt I was on. Mm-hmm. But these days, I feel like he's uh, caving to power a little bit, too. Um, mm-hmm. I've only seen a little bit what um, what he's said, anyways, about the drawdown. But like I said, I, I, haven't, I haven't looked too much into it, and uh, I'm less knowledgeable about foreign policy stuff. Yeah. Well, I do I do want to say though that actually I met, I yeah. requ- I remembered one thing that kind of drew me into leaving the party and that was actually Justin Amash. Amash. Gotcha. Um, yeah. You know when he when he left the party on the 4th of July or whatever. That was great. I remember you know I was like reading up on the news about it trying to see how much press he had gotten or whatever over the course of the next couple of days. Um you know, it was great to see somebody really stand up, and I felt like he he put it more he put the position better than I could because I've you know I've never been in Congress, so I don't see what goes on behind closed doors. Uh, but he spoke to what what it seems like is happening there, anyways. That if you speak out, you are you know you're you're going to be replaced, and that's certainly not the way that democracy should work. Um, so having Justin Amash or Amash in Congress and having him speak out, that was a big thing. And I certainly relate a little bit more to him than I do uh, Ron Paul, as far as I can tell. Or Rand Paul, excuse me. What is the most persuasive sort of elevator pitch that you could give to somebody who's eh, kind of like – on the fence or disenfranchised with the Democrat party or the Republican party. And is is, is thinking about just being like, ah, you know, maybe it's not a binary choice. Maybe I need to, to join up with somebody else. What's your elevator pitch for getting people on board? Um, I guess the, the first thing is just that, 
they don't care and that they lie, the Republican and Democratic parties. Everybody is so turned off by politics these days um, because they have not seen anything improve over any number of years. I mean, New York State voters, they are the most pessimistic people in the world, especially upstate. You know, uh, they don't believe that anything good will come from the government. And they've been trained to be that way by, you know, got at least 100 years of failure at the state level and just continuing the worst policies, you know, corruption all over the place. Like it, it simply has not been working. And there's really no reason to believe that it's just going to magically get better. Um, the other thing is just that I don't believe that either party really listens to evidence. Um, hmm. You know, the Democratic Party is creating a push for like rent control when 99% of economists agree that rent control is a terrible idea. Um, and then the Republican Party, they seem to be pushing for more military involvement abroad, despite the fact that it really does not benefit American people. Um, you know, I don't see, I don't see them actually changing their mind. I guess I should also see, I, I do believe that climate change is a thing mm -hmm. and I wish that the Republican party would acknowledge that as well. Um, and really take it into serious consideration. Um, but I, I wish that, or I would tell them anyways, that you have no hope of changing those parties' minds until it's too late, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the other thing is that we need a strong third party. Um, two parties cannot reflect the entirety of the political spectrum. It's simply impossible. Um, so whether you need three parties or four parties, whatever the case is, two parties absolutely cannot reflect um, what people want it to be. It's been shown to be a failure. It has only gotten worse. Um, we need people to step up and start voting, not necessarily with their feet, but with their registration to move to these other parties. You know, being an independent is a good thing, but, you know, actually you don't have any say in who is eventually voted for. You just kind of vote whatever crap they put forward. Um, and then, you know, really the final point is I believe that libertarians have the best ideas. Um, I think that when it comes to healthcare, which is probably the biggest issue right now, or housing costs or the costs of, uh, higher education, you know, the libertarian party has the positions that will actually make a difference. These are not the things that make you feel good, that confirm your bias on the positions. These are what I believe that policy and research shows to be effective in uh, controlling the costs and, and improving these issues. Um, and then yeah, finally, I don't think... Go ahead. Go ahead. There's one that don't think that the perception of the Libertarian Party being a fringe party is accurate anymore. Um, I think there's more of us than most people know. I think they will know that soon. Um, but the days of us being, you know, a small band of anarchist weirdos, like I said earlier, is over. You know, we're ready to win. Very interesting. Very thought-provoking. Eric, thank you for joining me today. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And 
I think at the very least challenging the binary thinking of the the red blue choice is is a good thing to do and in investigating other options and sure. so thank you for for helping elucidate the uh <laughs> the difficult to understand um elusive uh, libertarian um uh, without jumping <laughs> on the message boards so sure. so thank you for that well, uh- I think it's nice to actually have a conversation, you know, you don't get the same, nobody's really going to change their mind on a message board. So it's nice to have a forum like this to really discuss these things. And hopefully we can keep an open mind on all sorts of things in the future. Yes. You can catch up with the Libertarians of Ontario County on Facebook. You can just search Ontario County Libertarian Committee. If you want to find out more about Team Gold on the state level, you can check out lpny.org and New York state elections are in November 2020. Primaries are in the summer. So just some things to look into and think about. You can call or text a flip phone at 323-999-1802. If you have thoughts about this episode or all things 180 cast, you can flip out or try to flip my position or tell me about your own flip flop slash 180. 323-999-1802. And, of course, as always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at 180cast. And please, if you like the concept of this podcast, if you enjoy listening to these episodes and getting inside other people's heads, go ahead and leave a review on iTunes. That really does help get this podcast in front of more ears and uh, playing on more playing into more earbuds, if you will. So I would really appreciate that so much. You can follow me, of course, at Georgie underscore Borman. Until next time, seek the truth, share your values, and listen with your heart and your mind. God bless. Executive producer, Kevin McCullough. Music by Reefy Craft and Joachim Nordenson. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.